Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Suicide Squad, directed by David Ayer and released in 2016. The plot of Suicide Squad goes something like this. A secret government agency recruits a group of imprisoned supervillains to execute dangerous covert operations missions. And here is where I would normally sound the spoiler warning because this is still in cinemas. Uh, but I'm also going to say right here and now that we do not advise spending your money on this movie <laughs> or giving it any more money than it's already got. No. Go see Ghostbusters again instead. Please. Please. Um, okay. So, Suicide Squad, um, I, I mean, it's been getting all these ne- this negative attention, right? But, like, some of the reviews also said it's fun to watch. I did not find this fun to watch. From f- about five minutes in, I was already like, I do not want to be here. This is terrible. The first whole act is made like a teenager with like hyperactive ADHD or something has edited it and and a stack of like best of CDs that's how the whole first kind of act is made this movie relies entirely on pop music to create mood and characterization instead of like the script because the script is garbage Yes. Oh, my God. So, I had some fun in it, but I was very bored at times. Like, in a movie that's got so much flash and bang on the screen, I was surprisingly bored. I wasn't just bored. I was, like, horrified a lot. It didn't take long before I started to get horrified with it, horrified with these people, horrified with the way they were treating the women in this movie. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. My God. You you could look at this and go, wow, this movie's got a whole bunch of people of colour in it, a whole heap of women in it. Mm. They're not treated well. No. Um, if anybody still wants to go see this movie after we have said this, I advise that you like take alcohol and do the Katie drinking game for it, which is you drink every time that there's a recognizable pop song oh or every God. time somebody says something offensive. Katie, that's dangerous. I, I had People a, would be dead from alcohol poisoning. I had a bottle of water and I just took a sip, like a little sip every time that happened and I was out five minutes before the end of the movie. I took a tiny sip every time it happened, and I didn't start it till about 15 minutes, 20 minutes in, and I was completely out of order by the end of the movie. Well, I, I was thinking you would have, you had to pee by the time Carrie Delevingne oh, turned into a witch I had to or pee. something. <laughs> I had to pee so badly for the last 20 minutes, but I was like, no, this is my punishment for coming to see this movie, <laughs> and I don't want to miss anything in case I have to say something in the podcast about something that I've missed, or you tell me about something, because was, mm. it was like the last sort of act. Oh. But oh my God, this movie was just, it was so like... Just yeah, offensively bad, and and the thing is, uh, it it has massive pacing problems. So the first it's act is just... this hyperactive, like you know, f- constant flashbacks. You don't know when you are to introduce all of the characters, um, and the flashbacks are all just like you know, TV tropes spewed all over the movie along with Hot Topic. They just put them in a blender and then, like, threw it on the movie. Uh, tropes spewed all over more than just the first act of this movie. No, but the but their whole backstory, every single backstory was, I have a dead wife or I have an ex-wife and a daughter who, you know, that, that whole dead shot thing. Which, yeah. Like, they're trying oh, to yeah, make us... His, his ex-wife, who's such a ho, she doesn't even get to be on the screen. Yeah. And it, it doesn't even try to make us, like... It, I mean, the movie is, is putting up, trying to put us on Deadshot's side while also have him be horrible and sexist constantly. Like, even after we're supposed to be on his side, he has a line where he talks to Flag because Rick Flag is dating Enchantress, and, or June, you know, and, and, um, and he says, go smack her on the ass and tell her to cut yeah. that shit out. And you're like, are um, you serious? And by the way, this, this movie was, this was rated PG-13 in the yeah. States. What, is he a time traveler from 80 years ago? 
What the hell kind of person thinks that's an acceptable way to talk? And, and not and just that. Is... I mean, they're bad guys, but at this point, we're supposed to like him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, Will Smith's char- he gets a lot of away with a lot because he is very charming and he is a movie star. And, and honestly, if he's, I, I much prefer him doing these big blockbusters to some when he tries to go more serious <laughs> because that likes, uh, what is it, Seven Pounds? I hate that movie so much. Right. But he, yeah, and he, I think his, his charisma and Margot Robbie kind of got me through a lot, even though both of them have like. Wait, did they play uh, love interests in a movie recently? They did a movie called Focus, I think. I totally forgot it. I just um, remember. I never that when watched, you said their names. Together. Yeah, I never watched it either. But the, the two of them are probably the only real stars in this movie. I'm sorry, Viola Davis took this movie and like ran away with it. Then that woman is, you know, an Oscar nominee and stuff. She's a right. star. Yeah, and but she I was mean, like, the star. I mean, like she was movie stars. They're the only movie stars. Well, what about Jared Leto? Oh, my God. Oh, well, now I get to talk about my favourite topic, which is how terrible Jared Leto was in this movie. I have this theory about this movie, which is that uh, Margot Robbie, at least, seems to understand Harley Quinn and to understand um, some of her character motivations and to understand how Harley got herself caught up with the Joker and caught up in this terrible abusive relationship. Well, the movie doesn't. I know. Because, (laughs) yeah, so she seems to understand that um, Harley got herself caught up because the Joker is – is supposed to be charming and threatening <laughs> and um and fun. Now the movie doesn't show any of this. Jared Leto is just not not good. He's no. like at least the fourth worst Joker I've seen on TV or film. At fourth least fourth worst. Well, I guess the fifth best Joker. Sorry, because yes. I mean the fifth best Joker. Yeah, I mean yes, the worst Joker ever. Yeah, that's, I, mean, I, I was very confused because I'm sorry. like that means there's there's three that are worse than. I'm I sorry. I'm taking this from from one of the gossip sites I read is referring to him as the third best Joker, as in he comes after Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson. But I think he's also got to come well after Mark Hamill, who comes above Jack Nicholson, and also after the guy who played the Joker in the the Eartha Kit 1960s movie as well. Um, but he's just terrible. Like he's or Adam not West either way. Yeah. There's, he's not in any way, like, there's no appeal to him. Um, when Heath Ledger played the Joker, he had, like, a political manifesto that you, even though it was horrible, you could understand why people were attracted to him and his way of thinking. Well, also, he no, his characterization was, was consistent and made sense. Well, that took, Jared Leto's was just, let's see what I can get away with in this scene. Yeah, so, and, and he's, like, eight minutes of screen time, and I really wish they'd just killed him off. <laughs> but... He, we were supposed to feel sad when he's supposed to have died. And you're like, A, we don't think oh, he died. Uh, and B, well, we're not sad. All of us, including the other Suicide Squad characters, are happy to think that he might have died. Like, it's obvious that he hasn't because he's the Joker and they're not going to kill him. But the other problem is he's never actually menacing or actually threatening. He is a jerk. He is a horrible person. He's a terrible sexist. He's an idiot. But he's never. I never. There was no sense of menace to him. There was no. no sense that this was a villain. There was no sense that this was the guy who would lure people in, and then drag. Or there be any well, part reason of that was the romanticization of their relationship into this world, and yeah. And if she'd been playing against a good Joker, if she'd been playing against a Heath Ledger or a um or a Mark Hamill's animated Joker, that might that would would have worked. I. This is why I think she understands. Harley's motivations there. And I what's don't. Going on. I don't know but because movie, I mean the, the movie. Like they, they with all the romantic or friendship relationships in this movie, every one of them, there's no setup. We don't understand why anyone likes anybody else. We can understand why they dislike other people because everybody's horrible. Mm-hmm. But like the 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 Joker and Harley thing, we get a flashback to it 
but she's already in love with him. Like we get a flashback to their sessions together, but she's already in love with him. We don't see why or how that happened. No, it just but happened. I, I feel like um, the, that, 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 that Margot Robbie at least did some work to understand why that was. I got because I got a sense that she knew what she was doing in those scenes. He was awful. He just, really? Because I got the sense that she thought that he had some kind of magic brainwashing wand that, like, she because she kept walking around like a zombie. Yeah, she wasn't was, acting. She just was acting like dead eyed and just did whatever he said there was nothing there so it seemed to me like she thought he had brainwashed her somehow well that that's also a possibility like that's what it looked like especially that bit where she falls back into the wax there's nothing going on on her face there's no acting there's no emotion it's just i will do whatever you say um it was and those flashbacks were supposed to make us like harley and and like they were supposed to be like trauma flashbacks but they weren't like trauma flashbacks at all and one of the saddest parts of the movie is when he turns up at the end to get a break her out of herself she's sitting down she's having a coffee she's actually got it pretty good and this dickhead turns up to rescue her oh yeah when that happened i was like wait isn't this movie over already? i was like i was just like poor harley leave her alone i don't know because i mean harley's just but harley is also awful like she goes around killing people as far as right. we know right she's she's also awful i mean there's the bit where um where deadshot this is when the i mean the characterization was always bad but there's a bit where dad deadshot doesn't kill harley yeah, and, then and I was oh like, my God. "Why? What? What is the reason for him not to kill Harley? What is the motivation behind him not killing Harley in this scene?" Then she comes back, and everybody seems to be happy well, to I, see her. Why? They haven't interacted. Their only she interactions has, though, have been very minor. No, no, she's she's interacted with Deadshot. They've kind of got a rapport going. A so little I understand bit, why he but none of the other her. ones. But then, then but they no, but retcon even it. Then, even with... then, he doesn't shoot her. He's supposed to be a mercenary. Everything we've been told at this point is he's a mercenary. He will kill anyone for money. And his biggest weakness is getting to see his daughter. If, and Amanda goes, if you do this, you will be free and get to see your daughter. There is, like, everything that we've seen in the movie up to this point says mm-hmm. he will shoot her. Yeah, and then, It's only after that that he says that he doesn't kill women and children. Yeah, this, which is just Which so is just insulting. Stu- it's really stupid and really insulting. What kind of assassin are you if you won't kill women? Like, but also, I totally I'd rather- get not killing children, but, like, if you're an assassin for hire, you kill who you're asked to kill. Like... I'd rather he just shoot me than talk to me the way he talks to women in this movie. Mm. <laughs> like... You know, a dis- like I'd rather he see me as an equal to the others in evil um, than see me as like less than the others mm. in evil just because I am female. That that is actually, so gross and that's and one irritating. of the things about the way he interacts with Harley is that he and the other guys in the team act as though she's a bit stupid because she has a, an abusive boyfriend, and that really bugged me too. I don't like, know if that's that or if it's they just act like she's stupid because she's. Uh, you know the way she is um but like well they seem to enjoy the crazy as long as it's on their side yeah but, but they, it is they do but all the women in this movie every single woman who's on screen in this movie is demeaned or sexualized or objectified in some way yeah, or is they have, either evil or crazy any of the smart women also are either evil or crazy right but they have women on the screen like they are the only time they fe- they feature female soldiers or female guards is so that the men can objectify and belittle them. Mm, and, and the yeah, way that Deadshot to talks to Waller destroys, like, everything they set up about Amanda Waller, and then they go around and have Deadshot call her honey. And you're like, I just, I can't stand that, because you, you're basically, like, this is the only decent female role in this movie, as far as I'm concerned. She is the only consistent person from the beginning to the end. Like, her her motivations are clear, her characteriz- characterization is consistent. She never falls off that line whereas harley 
like I do think that Margot Robbie was trying to do something with her. Sometimes we see her actually like genuinely upset or, you know, there's, there's these moments where you can see something trying to come through. Um, yeah. but that kind of, there's a, there's a mess of characterization there as well. Um, we don't understand why she's doing half the things that she does. They just brush it off as, oh, she's crazy. Um, yeah. But Walla is always just, cons- she's, and Viola Davis is so good. Mm. And then they, they go around and have Deadshot calling her honey and there's no repercussions for that. No, he has, he gets no repercussions for like any of his terrible behavior. No, he gets rewarded for everything. Yeah. Um, yes, he does. I was just thinking about Harley there as well. One of the reasons she's such a popular character are those little bits where her lucidity breaks through. And I wonder, like this film has had all kinds of mess happen to it in the edit. I wonder if there were some of, was some of that earlier on. And then when these video clip editors came in to, to edit it, um, if, if some of that got lost, but I, I don't know because don't, those flashbacks don't indicate that yeah. to me. The so, flashbacks, I think, are the biggest indicator I think of being, what's going on there. Perhaps I'm being kind then. But that that's one of the things about, about Harley that makes her so popular. That's what the um the animated Harley, the one played by, what's her name, the My Little Pony actress, Tara Strong. Tara Strong. The Tara Strong Harley, the one that everybody loves and also the, the comic book Harley. That's what's so good about her. She has these moments of lucidity, these moments where she knows what's going on, but she's kind of stuck in this spiral. And I think... I'd, but the other yeah. thing about that, Harley, is that she's now broken free of the re- abusive relationship yes. and is dating Poison Ivy, whereas this movie, Harley, is way behind in terms of characterization. But also, w- one of my things about her in this movie is that we never see anything from her perspective. It's always from the perspective of men who are with her. The only time we ever see anything from her perspective is when the Joker dies or in the flashbacks or in that bizarre, I want to be a housewife like dream state that was like this this is not the woman who wants to be a housewife look at her she is not the woman who has that as a fantasy and it's completely it just it's it's completely out of character with all the everyone else's like deepest fantasies as well well not really i mean el diablo basically wants to you know not be the abusive dick he was when oh. he was married to his wife oh yeah i have a Actually, feeling that this movie just sees romantic relationships as abusive well there's something wrong with it. There's something wrong with the fact that Katana is considered crazy for mourning her dead husband the way she does. Or she and, talks to the sword. I right. Think the, yeah, and they, and they talk about how they basically have a line that's like, bitches be crazy about yeah. her. But it's like... And also that's she, one of her two scenes, crying and, over her dead husband yeah. or all criminals must die. But her husband, whom she did not kill, yet El Diablo, who did kill his wife in a textbook case of domestic violence is allowed to die a hero's death and be redeemed because he really, really loved them and it was just a, he just lost no, control. No, see, I actually, I, I like that storyline because he works really, really hard at redemption. He is trying really, really hard not to be the person that he was before, right? So he is trying, like, he, he doesn't just, I mean, he really understands that what he did was wrong, unlike everybody else. I think that's why El Diablo worked for me. Like, he did do something terrible and it was a textbook case of abuse, but he knows that he did that wrong. He knows that he was wrong to do that, right? Right, yes. He, he knows that he can't do that anymore and he shouldn't do that anymore. And he tries really hard. He goes and locks himself up in a tiny tube, potentially forever, to try not to do that anymore. So he's really kind of, he is actually working towards and he redemption. he actually has a journey, yeah. Right, exactly. I, I just, he 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 realizes, and, and his big moment is actually before when he sacrifices himself. It's the moment when, Enchantress is giving him his dream and he goes, no, I can't take that back. I did the terrible thing and it's that's it forever. And he breaks out of it. That is really impressive to me. And I liked that storyline, despite the horrible racism thrown his way by the movie and by the characters in the movie, he is 
probably the strongest of the Suicide Squad in terms of characterization because he has an arc, he has a journey, and he comes out of it at the end having made sense in that journey. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he he redeems himself by saving everybody when he did something terrible. Mm. Yep. I think that was – I actually like that part. Yeah, and and, but now you've made – it's made me think again about – it's only ever the women who are called crazy as well. Mm. And, and the thing is there are men in this who are embittered about their uh, – Deadshot, for example, is embittered about his relationship. It's clearly – he acts as though his ex-wife was crazy when clearly like, you know, you're an assassin, mate. Like, get over yourself. Yeah, there's there's a but, bit that they have to um to justify that where the daughter talks about how she has to take care of her mother. Yeah, no, I know. She knows how to cook know. pancakes now. That's, yeah, a, and that's again, the whole but this justification. Is a, but this is a whole – it's a that – buys into a whole trope about black single mothers right mm-hmm. there about them being irresponsible and on welfare and the kids having to grow up too fast and that like I Will Smith you should know better than that well yes the thing is that um that character does exist pre uh, the character is white traditionally deadshot right. um and he was white on arrow as well um so yeah. <laughs> so maybe somebody should have thought through that. Yes, I do think somebody should have thought through that, but I also think that that's not that that reinforces that stereotype about black women, but it wasn't written to reinforce that stereotype of black women. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, of right. all it's, of the things. Well, in this no, it's movie. built. It's built to reinforce the stereotypes about single mothers as a whole, not just black single mothers. But the way it looked to me was it was that welfare queen trope. Yeah. And but I mean Jay Courtney as well, like. The Australian stuff as well, it's, so and bad. I know, and I know this. Well, this character comes from comics, but it's a white character who appropriates an Aboriginal thing, the boomerang, as like their thing, and yes, also behaves like a stereo- stereotypical racist Australian bogan. Yes, but I mean, I don't think that. I think that's fair. Oh, I, it's not like wrong, um, and also like fortunately, his yeah, he's also consistent in that he's just a dick. Um, I wish they didn't put women on screen for him to be a dick to and that's their only job. That really annoys me. But at the same time, like, he is we, – we're never supposed to like him. He always – he's cowardly and he runs away. Also, by the way, how does he come back for the main fight? When we see them in the bar, Rick Flag says, you're free to go. He grabs all his cans and he goes. How does he come back to fight Enchantress? It's the Ghostbusters problem. There's obviously a scene that's missing. Either that or they just didn't realize that in the making yeah, of it. and they were just like, no, and he needs to come back. That mm. takes me to Enchantress, who for the first, like, half of the movie I wanted to win because I liked mm-hmm. her so much. And then the end of the movie is just, like, her whole thing is, oh, look, I'm doing gyration magic. And you're like, what the f*** happened to this character? She looks like the the, the face of the childlike empress from um, NeverEnding Story stuck on, like, a stripper body. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen, and I don't understand why they ruined her character for the last half of this movie. Like, she was so great in the beginning of this movie. Carl Delevingne even did a good job. I mean, granted, yeah. as June, all she had to do was cry and say, I don't want to do it anymore. But, you know, Enchantress was cool. That, that Oh, no, she, she was being bit. convincingly mousy when she's, you know, in real life, Cara Delevingne. Yes. I think that was great acting. The, the hand fl- you know the hand flip bit? Where the yeah, hand, yeah, yeah. That was the coolest. That, that scene was my favorite scene of the movie because <laughs> Wall is kicking ass. She's uh like Enchantress is doing her thing and the guys are all terrified. And, uh, and I liked Enchantress when it was in that first bit where it was like sort of ambiguous, where it wasn't necessarily obvious whether she wanted to be the witch or not. And then mm. it just kind of goes stupid. And also when she's in full witch gear, they have her in like – a bikini, essentially, with like sheer fabric over the top of it. So that she wouldn't gets, bother me so much if everybody else wasn't also objectified. 
because like that kind of is what the I mean clearly that's what they that everybody else was about meeting Harley kissing Quinn. everybody and but even Katana's got her midriff showing mm. why does Katana have her midriff showing because how does that help her kill the bad guys all the women are objectified except for Amanda Waller well that's why like I mean genuinely every Amanda Waller scene was a breath of fresh air every time she was on screen I was like finally this movie can be like watchable. Most of the time when she wasn't on screen, I was just either angry or bored. But when she was on screen, I wanted to watch the movie. And and whatever rating I give this movie, any positive stars will be for Amanda Waller. And that's it. Even the aesthetic of the movie that I was really excited about when it started, because it's got that kind of neon well, the glow artwork. about it. The artwork on the poster was amazing. Like this sort of old school comic book style artwork. Yeah. And that, that kind of neon pink and blue Harley colors. Mm. That was really great. Why did they dump that? That looked really cool. I don't. Uh, most of the aesthetic of this movie is terrible. Why didn't they kind of unify it under that neon, like, cool kind of mm. idea? At least that would have been something. Yeah. Um, this is this is a movie that has like five minutes of brilliance that were all used in the marketing, and the rest of it is just. Also, some of the stuff that was brilliant that was used in the marketing isn't even in the movie. But also, um, um, oh, Batman in this movie. Batman mm. <laughs> in the DC Cinematic Universes uses little girls as a shield. Pass it on. Yeah. And also punches out women underwater. Oh, yeah. That got a laugh as well. I didn't like that. No. Um, that was like a f- comedic, comedic moment. Well, seeing so did, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like the smacking enchantress on the butt. That got a laugh too. Yeah. There were a lot of people laughing in this movie. I, I laughed occasionally in this movie when other people weren't laughing, but that was because it got to that like so r- ludicrous bit. The bit where the brother of Enchantress, who doesn't have a name, no. um, like absorbs the other people and they like roll around in a little three person ball for a little bit. I laughed so hard at that. That just cracked me up so badly. I was like, that's the funniest thing I've seen in this whole movie is just like three people rolling around in a ball on the ground. It's, it's oh my so god! Dumb. So many people, so many of those people died as well. Like just massive carnage, which we it don't just, see because and, it's a PG thirteen right, movie. And, but also, you don't see it because they've already turned into monsters before you actually they actually get killed. So our heroes spend ages just killing these things who used to be people, and then it's only well, we afterwards can't have that anybody humanized. Yeah, this, this whole universe is so dark and gritty that like anybody who would be a real human that you might connect to is immediately excised from the storyline so that you can have horrible people who do horrible things. And it's not just the bad guys who they are in this movie. It's the good guys like in Batman versus Superman. Like, Batman in this movie is a dick. He you, he literally lets Deadshot's daughter be a human shield between him and Deadshot. He just stands there and lets that happen. I mean, how does he know that Deadshot's not going to kill his daughter? All he knows about Deadshot is that he kills people for a living. He could easily, or he could just, you know, shoot past her since she's 11 and shorter than Batman is. (laughs) Like, this is a man whose whole kind of ethos is protecting kids. It's it's like a huge part of the Batman mythology. That's the only reason that we like him half the time, because he's supposed to be the Dark Knight. But so cynical. Like, it's so cynical. I know. I I just that bit just made me like lose my mind. I was like, this is. I mean, I know that Ben Affleck is really trying, but Batfleck is just so unlikable and grumpy and horrible. That why would you like him? Also, you know, Ezra Miller as the Flash shows up for three seconds in a Captain Boomerang scene. Is it Captain? It is. Yeah, Captain I think he Boomerang, brings in Captain right? Boomerang. Yeah. Also, that bit where they're like, oh, he rubbed all the banks in Australia, and then he came to Australia for fresh uh, to America for fresh meat, and you're like. 
Do you do know you how know? many banks there are here? Like, <laughs> do you, how big do you think Australia is? How can you rob all of the banks? But rob all of the banks, be Jai Courtney's age, and then go to America right. for new. Like, that's insane. <laughs> They it's just, a big country too. Like you'd think so, somewhere along the way he would get, you know, someone would catch up with him. The writers but, of, of this movie went, oh, Australia, that's some little country like on the other Austria side of the world. Or something. Even in Austria, how are you going to rob all the banks in Austria? That's ridiculous. Oh, my God. That was in, that was just the dumbest. Unless they, somebody Googled and they were like, Australia has a big four banks. And somebody was like, you know how we have like the big four <laughs> banks. And they thought, and then what they, they took that to mean, Australia has four what? banks. And that's what they that's what he robbed. I wouldn't put that past David Ayer's like screenwriting ability for him to just go, Oh, they have four banks. That seems legit. Like Australia is a country nearly as big as America. They must have four banks. <laughs> oh my god. And his dialogue, there's a bit where he talks about me nana, like and things like that, where you're like, This is this is British. This is British dialogue. Jake Jai Courtney actually, I think this might be his best performance that I've seen from him. He, Why is that British? I had a nana. No, but do we say me nana? Like me nana? as in belonging to me? Yeah. People say that. If, if you've grown up working class, that's quite normal. Okay. That's, yeah. His his dialogue struck me as sounding really cockney. No. Like not Australian no, at all. I, and I also, but, uh, but to the, at the that's same Bogan. point, I couldn't understand half of it. It's Bogan. It is. It's meant to be like. But the people in our audience laughed at him talking as well. Like. He, it just sounded like it was somebody who had well, never. Well, it was over the top. Like it, it was, you know, like Crocodile Dundee style. No, it wasn't because Crocodile Dundee style is, is very clear and like, I mean, Crocodile Dundee style is stuff that is all like super, super tropey Australian, but clear and, and, and we can understand it. Super tropey Australian. Whereas this was like he just seemed to be mumbling his lines because he knew that they were rubbish, um, and he it's was possible. doing it all like he. I, I feel like Jai Courtney was doing a, most of his performance like physically, like he was it, like that bit where he drinks the can behind the. That's funny. He yeah, was yeah. Quite funny in his physical comedy in this yeah. movie. It was it was easily the best I've seen him because usually he's a block of wood. I'm trying to remember if I've seen him in anything else. Um, yeah, he was in Terminator Genesis. Oh. He was in... Um, oh, right. Oh, that was a terrible movie. What? He's been in a bunch of stuff we've seen. Yeah, no, he has been in a few things. I've just, like, forgotten him. Yeah, exactly, because he's so... He's he's one of those, like, block of wood Australian actors, like, that they keep hiring now because, like, white American actors don't look like what they want um, the gritty American heroes yeah, to look and they like anymore. And they're, all, and they're cheap as well. Yeah. It's part, I think it's also... That yeah, yeah, no, kind of, you're right. Like, yeah. It's that... <laughs> It's it's that terrible Vanity Fair article about Margot Robbie that came out a few weeks ago is that America doesn't make them like this anymore, so now they have to go to Australia, as in backwards Australia. But it's awful because it's like we, they're getting the worst ideas of the worst parts of Australia. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I, I actually think Captain Boomerang, uh, apart from the fact that I don't think he talks like anybody that I've ever seen or met, I think that he is a, um, that's a fair portrayal of what, like, a lot of Australian men are like, well, like you know, it's it's. Oh, not- and the uh, and the like the the cans of uh, what I'm assuming is like Bundy and Coke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's also like poor Adwale Akinoye Agbaje who's under. I was a, just about to talk about yeah a shit ton of makeup and you can't understand anything he says. No, until the very end, which is like BET, and you're just like really. BET is in black entertainment television. That's what he wants. That's his request. 
Oh, I didn't understand that bit. I understood the only line I think from him that I really understood was I'm the bit where he's like, I'm sexy. Mm. And that's because there's no music and it's totally silent. And like he moves his mouth really big. And then I could understand what he was saying Mm. because his lines were, he was so like addled by prosthetics that it just, yeah. There was nothing. And and that character almost could have been interesting and sympathetic too. Yeah. Like of all of them, the most sympathetic. And also of all of them, the least sexist from what I could tell. Right. He might and, have mumbled and, something that I didn't understand. And that's an interesting story about – there's an interesting story there about, you know, disability and mm. being treated differently. Visu- visual dis- – Yeah. Visible differences. Visible differences, yes. Um, which, which got to me because I have a friend who's like – who has a visible difference in their face. Mm. And so immediately I, w- I got my hackles up because they're like – they're making it out as though he's a monster because his face looks different. No, they actually say people treated him Yeah, people him treated like- him like that. I know they say that, but it's it's also like they don't really interrogate that at all. Well, you want to talk about not interrogating something. How about the character of Slipknot as played by Adam Beach, who appears in the movie oh. with no backstory, is like, oh, he can climb things, has like two lines of dialogue, and then is blown yeah, up. Yeah, he's basically there to show that, that Captain Boomerang is good at luring other people into... Um, situations that are likely to get him, get them killed. No, he's basically there so that they, we can show that they will blow people's heads up. Like, that's that's it. He is the red shirt. Yeah, he yeah. is the guy who dies to prove Somebody's the situation is serious. Wow, Native American Which, representation. Like, and the, and the thing is, the problem is, there are no stakes in this movie. Literally, the only character who gets killed off is one who's been introduced two seconds before. I never, at any point, thought that the Joker, Harley, Deadshot, or any, or any of our main characters were going to get killed. Ever. Well, they keep going on about how Rick Flagg's going to die. And I'm like, Rick Flagg's not going to die because he has to go save his girlfriend. No. Do you know what I really liked? There was one line of dialogue in this movie where Amanda Waller goes, I can take care of myself. In most movies, that woman is then immediately proven wrong and has to be saved by a man. And that's what that di- mm-hmm. line of dialogue like precedes. Yeah. In that movie, she then takes care of herself. I was like, finally. <laughs> yeah. But also Amanda Waller, again, is the only woman who's treated with any kind of respect at all. Mm. But she's also the villain. I mean, she's yeah. the real villain of this movie. Yeah. Um, That's right. All If 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 there is a – if the women in this – they're all kind of punished for being smart. That's what I mean. Like, mm. like Amanda Waller is incredibly smart, incredibly clever and manipulative and good at, at working people. And she is also the big evil villain. And so, and the other two, there are two women who are doctors in this, both of whom are punished for being so. Yeah. Like Dr. Harleen Quinzel and Dr. June Moore. June Moon. Uh, June Moon, sorry. They're both punished. Like, if, if it's like these women just got too uppity and above their, pla- above their station, so they have to be the villain or they have to be completely crazified because of it. Yeah. And, and that like also, Katana, too, super talented and smart. So she is therefore not allowed to talk and also obviously she's crazy because she's mourning her husband. Um, yes, and whereas all the guys who are mourning their millions of dead wives are fine. But some of them do it by killing people. Yes, which is in this universe is seen as a perfectly sane and rational response, response. to anything is yeah. just murdering people. Um, I mean, that is the thing. There's no kind of... Like, mass death means nothing in this movie. Nothing. If one of the main character dies, even if it's the fucking Joker that nobody cares about, we're supposed to be upset. But mass death means nothing to no. these people. But it, and, but even then, it just never feels like or any, it's of funny. The, any of the main characters are really going to die anyway, mm. which is that, that stakes problem. There's also that moment where, like, like, when Amanda Waller says the one person who can't die, 
I was like, oh, it's her. She's in the building. I knew that. But mm-hmm. I did kind of like the moment when she just manipulates. Like, I, I, again, mm-hmm. I liked Amanda Waller so much that I would just like to watch this whole movie from her perspective. She's so kind of like when she shoots everybody in the room and says they weren't cleared for it and then walks out, faces all these people. They're all taller than her. They're all serial killers. And she just goes, you don't scare me at all. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I love it so much. That moment is like so, I mean, this is, if you want to see what writing good women characters is like, that's what it is. It's her. It's, um, and, and she's in the same vein of like, um, Helen Mirren in Eye in the Sky and things like that, Mm. where like men get to do these characters all the time. But getting to see women do it is so unusual. And Amanda Waller is such a good character. And she's the only character that I feel like this movie really kind of understood. Yep. Uh, That's true. And I I also really love seeing Rick Flagg getting beat down by her. Every time he... People were saying that we feel sorry for Rick Flagg. I was like, I felt nothing for Rick Flagg. I I like to see him beat up all the time. Also, you know he's the guy from Robocop. Yeah, no, I know who he is. It took me the whole movie. It was supposed... It was actually... that, That role had like much bigger name actors turn it down like Tom Hardy was supposed to do it then he dropped out and then it was offered to Jake well, Gyllenhaal who was like no hell no and they fi- and they finally went down the um down the list and they got to Joel Kinnaman who got it but it it, it is a terrible role but also I just he's the really... guy who isn't Australian but I think is yeah right, right? <laughs> but I think he's actually like Scandinavian of some kind which is the other place that Americans go for like um tall pretty Aryan looking men to be in their movies um <laughs> so but I I genuinely every time he got like outsmarted or outwitted or beaten up by um, Amanda Waller's character. It made me excited. Well, like, he was such an awful person. I was just like, yes, let's punish him. But going back to this, like, we have no reason why anybody likes each other thing. He and June Moon fall in love because Amanda Waller decided it would be so. Yeah. There's no there's no kind of explanation as to how they got so, together. It's she looks like Cara Delevingne and he isn't a total well, dick to I w- her. I was thinking that was um, she is – like a, uh, she is a, a mousy archaeologist, and therefore she'd be happy to fall for whatever tall, no, I'm relatively sorry. attractive man who gets. She is her a way. mousy archaeologist. She is a mousy archaeologist in Hollywood land, where she takes off her glasses, shakes her hair out, and she's Cara Delevingne. But like, <laughs> no, that relationship it, it literally did exist, like because Amanda Waller went, oh, he might like her. She put them together and it worked out you, the way she did. You wonder she, if she's got some of Enchantress's magic to make that happen. Right. And and they never kind of investigate that. It just is. Um, he then yeah, like forces a, her like, to do things she doesn't want to do. A literal proximity relationship. Yes, he does. A proximity relationship. Sorry, yes, you made an important point there. Yeah, it's a proximity relationship where he then forces her to do things she doesn't want to do, which is, by the way, where my kind of all, all relationships are abusive yeah. things com- thing comes from. He doesn't really care about her as a person he cares about her as like his property mm. this is my girlfriend or this um, is my mission this is my mission yeah, yeah it's a very it's not a relationship it's just him like owning this girl mm. she's my girl yeah no it's it's not it's a he's her commanding officer yeah and so and then um that relationship is also inherently kind of abusive but then we're supposed to care about whether or Rick, whether or not Rick Flag gets his girlfriend back like no, I don't care. I mean, I do care it for, for <laughs> I cared for June Moon that she should be able to have her body back. Yeah. From this, but also the, the, uh, the way that they hit the word witch every time mm-hmm. kind of worried me as well that there was like some really sexist stuff inherent in just them, the, 
not even just that she was a witch, but the way they say witch over and yeah, over again. She's that, a witch, that, as if under, that's the worst thing that you can be. Women are two-faced, that under every pretty young girl is an old crone just waiting to come out. Well, I mean, Enchantress was hardly an old crone. She was no, the coolest-looking character in right. the whole thing. But you know what I mean. But, you know, a witch Until standing she in. Until up. But witch standing in for crone slash woman yeah, yeah, with yeah. power. Yeah, like, she, yeah, exactly. The You know, she'll suddenly turn on you and become really emotional mm. and oh my god all of that stuff as well mm. but like yeah that character uh, there was so much that i was just like i gee, i hope enchantress wins at yeah, the and beginning it's, of the movie it's seen as like a um this is such a male view of things that, that like when she is forced to do something she doesn't want to do and now he has to deal with the fallout from that like as though it's a problem to solve and also can I, I point uh, rather out? than like maybe he should have just not done it in the first place can I also point out that they do this flashback scene later on in the movie where they explain how Enchantress got away and I'm like, but we saw that. Literally the only thing we didn't see was this bomb. We saw everything about that. Nobody in the audience was going, oh, gee, I wonder how Enchantress got away. You know, like the magic one. The magic one who we'd already seen get away. <laughs> like, the, it was such a – and then the flashback showed mostly what we'd already seen except for this one bit with a bomb and you're like, but that didn't have any bearing on this movie, this bomb. It only has bearing on the movie later on when they have to get um, Scott Eastwood to blow himself up for it, which was oh. the funniest thing. Is that the character that Scott Eastwood was playing? Okay. Yes, that was – he was just the pretty boy second in command who had no personality. Which yeah, pretty no, much I sounds just, like a Scott Eastwood sounds role. Sounds like a perfect Scott Eastwood role. Um, um, there's also this bit where Ike Barinholtz, um was gambling – and he yeah. was in like a very different outfit from what we see in the rest of the movie. And I think he had a bigger beard than what we see I in the rest of the movie. I can only recognize him because of his teeth. <laughs> right. And I know who ba- Ike Barinholtz is. I like that guy. But like I was watching it going, we've seen five guys look who look like this yes. in this movie. Which one is this again? <laughs> and that scene, by the way, not that scene, the one with Jared Leto and Common was baffling. What the fuck was that scene about? That scene seemed well, to be about suppo- he would kill anybody who who says Harley is is hot yeah it was bizarre because it was supposed to be like he was he would kill anybody who took a shot at harley but no that's not what happened no he he's like he, he your lady this- is very nice but but the whole scene was i think it was supposed there like i think there was supposed to there was supposed to be a scene somewhere that shows the joker being threatening and i think that was their attempt at doing that <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but the we Joker, didn't even see him kill Common, by the way, because of the PG thirteen rating. He does, but he's yeah. I think that whole scene was set up to show that he is threatening, and it shows that he's sort of shows that he's abusive. But it mostly just shows that he is crazy. And why? What even is this? You know what it mostly doing? shows? It mostly shows that he thinks he owns Harley. That's the primary uh, Which, like outcome of that scene. He thinks he owns Harley because he's like, oh, I'm going to give you to Common. Like this is your gift. And then Common's like, no, no, I'm not disrespecting you. I don't want her. So he shoots him. So it seems like he's shooting him for not wanting her, but also wanting her. And like, yeah. basically it's just, oh, I own her. So you can't look at her, even though she's out there like mm. stripping because it's a technically a David Ayer movie, but basically a Goya movie that she's just like out there, like stripping, like for doing, no, no good reason. No, but, but yeah. doing PG 13 stripping because this is again a fucking PG 13 movie somehow. Yeah. I can't even believe that. We've been talking for 46 minutes. It's mostly just me ranting. Yeah, we've. well, I mean, that this is the thing. I was worried that this episode would run long because there are so many things wrong with this movie. Every, literally everything that I can think of except Amanda, like Viola Davis, everything else I can think of. Every single time I think of somebody, like Will Smith 
trying so hard to make us like him and then immediately undo, undermining uh, yeah. all of that. That, by the way, that um uh, do you was think, another thing. I wonder actually if some of his stuff is like some of the earlier stuff was done in reshoots and he was allowed to improvise a bit and be a bit funny and then like the later stuff was sort of per script and that we and, and just it led to that but jarring the earlier stuff he's very he's very sexist yes he is. um and, and he's very gross wife, yeah yeah that flashback scene also he's dressed hilariously um but he's got like a turtleneck earrings and like a white hat <laughs> and every time i when he when i saw it again because at the time i was just kind of paying attention to the plot but later on they show him that flashback again and i'm like what is he wearing um Anyway, that scene with the the bar scene, which, by the way, some of it was cut out of because Clearly. that was what they – No, but they, they actually advertised it with the beginning of that bar scene where Harley's like, what do you guys want? And they tell her and then – Yeah, and I then, remember that. Yeah, yeah, El Diablo says water and that she's like, that's a good idea, honey. Um, that bar scene should have happened 20 minutes earlier in that movie to establish a relationship between the characters so that later on we understand why they like each other even a little bit. Well, this is the missing second act problem. Well, my my problem was, I mean, if I was to make this movie, I would make it like Breakfast Club by way of Suicide Squad, right? So I would make it so that they are stuck together. They have a first mission. Mm. Also, I kept thinking there would be that the mission we were on was their first mission, and then they do another yeah, one, right? Oh, this is I keep reading this in reviews. It's got a missing second act. Yes, and that's so, they missed the first mission. There's no first right. mission. So you send them on a first mission. They're stuck together. They have to talk to each other. They reveal actually personal things about themselves, not just El Diablo talking about how he killed his family, but other people talk about themselves a little bit. They start to connect to each other, and then later on you see why they like each other. You know, like mm-hmm. more than spending a day together, and the whole reason they like Harley is because she's hot and she wears like short shorts you know there's a lot of stuff in this movie where like i think i hate this movie more than batman versus superman and i know you kind of yeah I, more... I i liked it more than batman versus superman because it at least had some spark to it some fun well see i hated it more partly because i laughed more at batman versus superman so it was more fun for me right um whereas this one i was so like horrified by what was happening that i couldn't find it in myself to laugh at it much um but also because this movie had more potential to be good than the rushed into pro- into production mm-hmm. stuff together Batman versus Superman had. Like they, I think a lot of people were kind of trying their best to make Batman versus Superman work. It just didn't. Yeah. But this movie, I feel like this is what they wanted. Like not the terrible editing, but ultimately this is what they wanted yeah. to make. Yeah. Batman versus Superman didn't feel like this, that. It felt like that's not what yeah. they wanted to make, but that's what came out. But this one, David Ayer wanted this. And that makes me so much sadder and angrier than what Batman versus Superman ended up being. Right. And 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 comparing my feeling at the end of watching them, so at the end of this one, I was just like, I just felt kind of dirty. Like, I yeah. mean, whereas Batman versus Superman, I was just more like, eh, you know, that's I. That was that. I guess. That was I mean, exactly I was still. I was angry after both of them, but Batman versus Superman. Yeah, it felt more like they just couldn't get it together. Yeah. No, you're right. But this Suicide is... Squad felt like they wanted to make something more or less like this, but like with and shinier tr- editing. And they tried so hard. Like the whole getting the um, like sidelining David Ayer and getting in the people who edited the trailer to re-edit the film. <laughs> you could so tell. Too, oh my god, such these, a... the music. Like seriously, I, at least a third of this budget was spent on music. Oh it's yes, all that's like, what I said. It's, and it's all like real classic rock. 
songs that you'll recognize. No, it isn't. It's, 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 there's a, well, there's variety a variety of really yeah. interesting. They get Eminem in there. They've got like Spirit in the Sky, the Norman Greenbaum song that was also in Guardians but, but of the Galaxy, which is where those Guardians that, of the Galaxy co- comparisons are coming from, by the way. Like this movie is clearly wanting to be Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. in its well, tone and, you know, and its fun yeah, music it's and sexism. Stuff. Yeah. But, but even Guardians of the Galaxy has nothing on this. Oh, sexism. yeah. No, like it, it got, this makes Guardians of the Galaxy seem like a child appropriate. Um, but the, the music cues though, a lot of them were like you, you can almost feel like they know what demographic they have in mind as well because that the, a lot of that music is older like probably 70s 80s 90s up to early 2000s music you know like our era well yeah that you say that um but no i felt more like they just kind of went oh there's a line let's just google the lines from this scene see if a song with those lyrics pops up and we'll stick that and in there. also we know that that harley is harley quinn is popular and like women you like her me. so let's do yeah let's add you don't own me because wow. all the rest of the movie will show that, that somebody owns her literally the opposite of what the, harley yeah. is yeah let's just put the start of the movie is you don't own me and that's the thing there are like two moments where we get real harley quinn that bit at the beginning where she's playing in her cell and the, no, bit at the end where she has her coffee not, that's so sexualized though her oh, introduction yeah. well, is her like posing that's all it is it's just her posing in rags well that's she's what doing, she's like, introduced yeah, what, what, whatever that thing is where you do where you hang from the ceiling on ropes but it's not so to prove that she can do that it's to show that she's sexy it's to show that she is sexy. That's that's her whole introduction. And then Ike Barinholtz is like, like you're so crazy and hot. And she's like, yes, I'm so crazy and hot. Watch me lick the bars of my cell. Like that's that's all that is. Is just look how sexual she mm. is. And those those introductions as well. Like there's that bang bang Deadshot Harley. And then mm. I think we also see some of the others. But I it don't has remember like who. three different people. That, like three <laughs> different intros. Yeah. And then it suddenly bang, it's it's Waller, and then she's doing the back flashbacks to everybody, and then the flashbacks aren't even good enough to give us an idea of who people are. It's just this like, oh, his wife died, and then like it's suddenly sort of bang into the main plot, the only plot of this movie, the only like actual only one mission that they go it's, on. It's a single. It's basically a single like scene all broken up. It's almost like an, a pilot of a TV show that's like had a lot of money thrown at it. Bad pilot. Yeah, bad pilot. Probably wouldn't get picked Like, up. it's it's more like a pilot of a TV show where they made that one mission and then they were like, oh, crap, we don't understand who everybody is. Let's throw in a bunch of backstory. Um, yeah, so, so let's give this crap a rating. I'm going to give it one and a half stars. Okay, what I'm going to say is I'm going to give it one star for, like, Viola Davis and then I'm taking off half a star for David Ayer, so it's now half a star. There you go. <laughs> that makes sense. Anyway. Don't watch this movie. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to read our show notes or find old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Suicide Squad, which is sure to be a corker as all her bad reviews are, it's it'll be up on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are at screen underscore queens on Twitter, uh, silverscreenqueens, no, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens on Facebook and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.